Hey! Welcome to another Rockosophy podcast episode. We are making breakfast and celebrating our return from having gotten more coffee. Yay! Tra-la! Plus, we went on a rock counting adventure to Winchester Creek, which is about an hour and 45 minutes north of Spokane in the Colville National Forest, and we found Blue Barrel! We did! Is there even a creek there? It's a mountain, probably. Yeah, but we were, like, on top of a mountain. We were slightly to the left of being on top of a mountain. We were very high on a mountain. Yeah, there were a lot of ants. Um, and ticks. Lots of ticks. There were a lot of ticks. I was more concerned about the lumps, so the matrix that this blue barrel was found in. Uh, they were, like, it was chunked, right? Because it's along a, a road, and you're not allowed to dig, so I was just breaking apart chunks on one side. And what I found were just a lot of ants. And I know E.O. Wilson did all that work on the different ant species, but I saw one of these ant mounds, and I just thought, this is where I would take the body of someone that I murdered. Because they were huge, and they were just ravenous, and they were running all over the place, and I would pick up a chunk, and I would see them all skittering and, like, scattering and i was like oh god well, and they're very big ants too we're not talking like your garden variety little ants these are huge ants no and i also um found are you familiar with those like really i mean they they are the red color of those cinnamon tic tac things yeah those little they they are six-legged or maybe they're eight-legged but i thought they were six-legged and they're little tiny spider-like ant hybrid things that are vibrant neon red i'm not familiar with those i saw some of those too and i just thought <sighs> that sounds horrifying it went very well with the blue barrel that i found in some of this white matrix are ants that effective as decomposers oh my goodness yes they thrive in detritus material i didn't know ants ate Pe like flesh. Oh, um, there should be some kind of like colloquialism about ants and how vicious they are. For example, when we were out in the Amazon, not you, me and my grandparents, they had paid local children, which I'm sure is illegal in some way, to scout out the trail and make sure that the army ants were like well, the, the trails they were leaving were well marked and guarded by these children. They would stand there and they would like hold your hand as you stepped over the army ants because they will chase you oh. for a really long time. I don't want to say miles. That's but scary. That's something that I've, I mean, they will just don't piss them off. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a reason why bullet ants have like the most painful sting of any insect or something. Yeah. Washington, not Washington, ants don't mess around. They're yeah. very, they're like, what a well-oiled capitalist machine should be. They are undeniably dedicated to their master and overruler, which is their queen. Or series of queens. Hmm. My cousin Cameron had an ant farm when we were kids, right? I always wanted an ant farm. Yeah, he had an ant farm. And it lasted, I don't know how long, because I was a, chi a, a kid. And, you know, when you're a child, everything is... 5,000 times longer. And now if someone leaves me alone in a corner for an hour, I just revel in it. So I had an ant farm as a child. And by that, I mean, I bought one at a garage sale and I just like collected ants off the sidewalk at my parents' house. But then my dad found me two big ants and the big ants ate all the little ants. There wasn't, it wasn't like a fully functioning colony by any stretch. So you just, you had like an ant prison? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah, I did. Great. 
I want one of those ant farms with like the gel. Yeah. Also, the Cameron's ant farm, it lasts for some amount of time. You know, because it's a very it's a closed environment technically. That's what I'll do when you're gone. I'll buy an ant farm. Oh god, please don't, because I will accidentally break it, like the drawer incident where I was fixing a thing and it's just we're gonna have ants. Not just in our pants, just everywhere. Uh, in our Wait. food, in our noses. They're Wait. definitely going to crawl up my sleeve. Okay, let's talk about the barrel. Right, but Cameron's ant farm, to finish this tangential digression, it died very slowly. Oh. And over a period of, say, two weeks, the story goes that he watched it progressively dwindle in number until there were only a few ants that were going around being janitors for the dead, because ants, you know, they're very organized. They have a section of being their colony. janitors for the dead? So for they everything. were just cleaning up the corpses? They were organizing them. They were caring. They were picking up their fallen sisters and carrying them into these graveyards until there was one little ant left. And that was all it did. It just went around for several days and, like, collected all the ants. And I don't know, I, I think the story goes it ran out of other little ants to stack into place and so then it just like walked around all of the little that's really fascinating that would be so fascinating to watch well he was a kid and i was a kid so it was really sad i don't know if that's how it's supposed to go but yeah as they dwindled they just cleaned up they cleaned up their mess and the story goes that he this individual died in the graveyard like it, it detected that it was on the outs and it went in and then slept for eternity with its, basically, clones. Do you have a hypothesis about why the colony died? Well, either A, it was a cheap colony and it didn't have a very long lifespan. B, they're probably not made to last very long anyway, but I don't know. Or C, he was a kid and he just let it go and maybe you are supposed to put something in it. I think they either got some kind of infection or... It's just the natural lifespan of ant colonies. Okay, so the barrel. I'm going to start out here by saying this stuff is actually blue, which is very exciting. So, uh, I'm going to say something. So, my introduction to this mineral was we were looking for a green barrel at a tourmaline site, which was raw black tourmaline. It wasn't like watermelon tourmaline or anything like that. Uh, but you hiked halfway up the mountain. Hiked is such a strong word for what I did. You crawled and scrambled. Half it, okay. Go on. And you were pounding on this giant, like, marble-looking boulder for little deposits of green barrel, and then the boulder went flying down the mountain and almost ran me over, and it was very scary. But. I'm pretty sure I said fire in the hole. You said something, but it was still hard to dodge. Yeah, that probably would have, Yeah. Uh, anyway, barrel is not spelled B-A-R-R-E-L, or the spelling of barrel. It's spelled B-E-R-Y-L, which I was interested to find out. We don't ferment things or take long sea voyages with pickles and other vinegar things I in these gemstones. That's true. Yeah, I know. I just, uh, I did not know how that word was spelled because I had never heard it before. I had never heard of barrel as a mineral. I had, but never in a an accessible way. So barrel I think you're you're 
sausage is done. Okay. Can you take that off for me? That'd be great. All right, barrel is a mineral composed of beryllium aluminum cyclosilicate. Yes. With the chemical formula that I'm not going to read to you. Well-known varieties of barrel include emerald and aquamarine. Naturally occurring hexagonal crystals of barrel can be up to several meters in size, but terminated crystals are relatively rare. That means the crystal has a natural end. So those little tiny quartz points that everybody's so raving over that come to a natural end when they come to a point, which I'm failing at doing at this exact moment, is called the termination. So a terminated crystal or a dual terminated crystal is one that has two ends. So it's pretty cool looking. A relatively rare pure barrel is colorless, but it is frequently tinted with impurities. Possible colors are green, blue, yellow, red, the rarest, and white. Barrel is also an ore source of beryllium. So, factoid, red barrel can be found the only red barrel location in the United States, potentially the only accessible one to the public in the world, I don't know, but I think that's what Evan told me, is in Utah. It's very close to the Topaz site, mm. which is really popular. Um, you can find gem quality stuff there. The problem is that it's very small. So if you're finding like big Topaz pieces, eh. you can also find pretty big red barrel. They look like little hexagonal chips, like the little coins you'd get in a video game. Oh, neat. But they're red. They are rare, but uh, it's also kind of a locally held secret. The green barrel that we were looking for, which is blue. a kind We were looking for blue. I was already oh, talking about the other one. Yeah, the Sorry. first one. Okay. So, would be considered emerald if it was gem quality, which gems are determined by three things their color, their translucency, and their shape. Hmm. Which shapes and size are kind of the same thing. So, um, the side that we were actually at, that giant hole that I was scrambling up, that hole in the side of the mountain was. Probably the same size as the mirrored side of the mountain um, originally, but it was hollowed out by miners who were looking for the green barrel, which of course is a low quality emerald. Mm. Now onto the blue barrel that we were looking for. Na, 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 na. It was actually blue, and if you have, like, if, if there's any gemminess to it, it's going to be aquamarine. The only other aquamarine in this region that I know of is in. Idaho at some Wolf Creek something or other that was closed in like the late 80s. Became a wildlife area. So any aquamarine that comes from Idaho is either from when that area was opened, poached, which I find unlikely because you have to move a lot of hard matrix that it's grown in, or just a lie because there are plenty of slaves in places like Brazil and Pakistan that will you know, dig it out for you. I'm actually going to make this into a hot dog. Oh. With a bun and things. Well, one of the things that I uh, really enjoyed about our barrel hunting yesterday was that it's a very easily identifiable specimen, I guess. Compared to... Um... Compared to, like, some of the... Where are my buns? That's a great question. Yeah, I found them. Like some of the agate specimens or some of the... I'm going to toast my buns. Other things that we were looking for, especially in Oregon. Is that because of the color? Because we spent more than two hours there. I would say yeah. So I am better at identifying minerals based on their shape for some reason. That's... Probably why I'm good at 
digging for them kinds of things. Because when you're looking at a bunch of clumps, that slightly more angular clump is going to stick out against all of the round clumps. When we first started rock counting, you were very into the colored stuff, which is why we, you know, jive at the garnet location so often. Mm-hmm. I'm but, definitely searching based on color. Which is good, because we need to have a nice balanced team. Found it. But also, I must say, listeners, she totally creamed me. It was incredible. She has a chunk that's like this, it's bigger than a quarter. And it's got not just this powdery blue coloring, but these like just jolting slashes of really pretty mica sticking out of them and stuff. Well, so to be fair, you found the first specimen of the day, which is still, I think, probably the highest quality Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. Barrel, it's just got this beautiful color. Um, it looks like aquamarine, but in its rough state. Um, it does. If you, if um, it could be construed as aquamarine if you cut the one tiny section of it that actually yeah. looks like it could be transparent, not translucent, but transparent. Yeah. If you think of like the coloring. In photographs of, like, the Caribbean Sea, that's what it looks like. This very much cerulean blue. It's very striking. Um, And amongst all the powder, so the matrix is formed, um, it's very schisty. (laughs) Shifty, schisty. Um, It has a name that starts with a P, but my guidebook is out in the car. It's also very heavy in mica, which is a feldsporic mineral. Yeah. And so the mica was beautiful, and it had this, like, green tinge to it. Yeah. It does also stick out amongst all of the powdery mica. Mm-hmm. Which is really great. Very convenient. Yeah. And I will say, I, I was beating you in terms of number of specimens found there for That is true. I spied... The tumbled trail of some tailings from where people were illegally digging above the road. And because you should really, in these sites, like, A, not dig, and we didn't dig. B, always check the gravel, because gravel is going to be your friend. Not only is it getting constantly washed by water, so the gems are going to be cleaner, they're going to be more visible, but it's also more easily accessible. Uh However, I decided to scramble down, because I guess that's my word today, and try to break open some of these really big chunks that other people had broken off. And I did find some beautiful powder blue barrel, but it was stuck in this huge, I mean, it was the size of a suitcase. Several of these. And I tried to break them open, but it's also not, because it's not very pure, the crystal structure is not very strong. Mm -hmm. So it, I broke one of them and I couldn't even bring its like shattered carcass up to the thing because it was still attached to a huge other thing. Yeah. Plus there are a bunch of ants. And the, the stuff that I was finding were, were these loose little chunks. But one of the things that I also think is cool that you um, obviously brought up is that the crystal, the hexagon crystal structure shape is so evident and so clear. I mean, we have like these little hexagon nuggets. Yeah, and they're not... So the barrel that you'll get in the, the red barrel location, the ones that I've seen from Evan, they're flattish. You know, mm. it's like, it's a hexagon. They do look like little coins. They look like little chips. Yeah. These guys were actually slightly columnar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could, you could stand them up next to each other and have like a little ant coliseum. Yeah. It's, we don't have nearly enough for a coliseum. We probably collected, what, a dozen samples? Yeah. 
But the first sample, that beaut, is actually bigger than the guidebook uh, written by Lars Johnson. Yeah, and that's kind of what excited me was the stuff I was finding was as good, if not slightly bigger and better than the guidebook, which, of course, did wonders for my self-esteem. Yeah, and which I, I was ecstatic about because I climbed back up after having my butt and legs scraped up by this one really stubborn thorn bush that grabbed a hold of me, and I was very adamant about taking that particular route up and found her happily like perusing the gravels and being like you're gonna have to see this one it's really great and my heart just soared i was i just said to myself this is how it starts one day she will be looking up the mineral locations and i will be following her ridiculously early caffeinated driving as we careen towards a mineral deposit I think I said that to you, too, on the way home. It's great to have goals and aspirations. (laughs) Just let me have this dream. This actually got us onto another topic. I don't know if we have enough time to go over it, but the aquamarine would be wonderful to find. We did not find it. I actually don't want to find aquamarine. That seems like playing with fire. Oh, no, my buns. Uh, Speaking of fire. What what about fire? Mm -hmm. You saved them. You saved the buns. They are not I, on I did fire. save the buns. The crystal trade is really messed up. So if you're going to find aquamarine that, like, I keep saying, like, if you're going to find aquamarine that an American can afford in these wonderful pillar, I mean, they're so gemmy and blue. It looks like a, a an overgrown blue Jolly Rancher. Side note, they replaced the Lemon Jolly Ranchers with the Blue Raspberry Jolly Ranchers, breaking my mother's and my heart. I do like the Blue Raspberry ones, but that is what exactly what they look like. They look like Blue Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, it's beautiful. But also, it's inexpensive if it comes from a place like Brazil or Pakistan, because it's probably being dug up by children or slaves. Do you want condiments for your hot dog? Yeah, I got it. Okay. Uh, which brought us to a discussion on the way home about the value of gems, which is exclusively what people are willing to pay for them and what the people who cut and sell gems make. So you can only imagine. And then Megan tells me about the oil and how you take it away from, take it off. Yeah. So the value of things are so based on the market, usually, you know, traditional supply and demand economics but gemstones operate a little differently but a couple weeks ago maybe a week or two the price of oil actually went negative because the demand has dropped so much that traditionally moving around oil depends on like getting it out of your warehouses quickly And people are not able to do that. Now there's all these tankers floating out on the ocean that are filled with oil that no one wants. That people were actually... It went like $2 negative where people were paying others to take their oil. Which is so interesting considering, you know, what oil's been through in the last... 10, 15 years. I mean, I remember being in high school and having to sweat because I couldn't afford the gas to get myself to and from school. I mean, my parents would obviously, like, fill it in, but I just lived on 
asking my friends for gas money when I drove them around because it was like $6. I remember that. It was close to $6 and it stayed around $5 for a long time. So the fact that there is a gas station, what, four blocks from where we are right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Less than $2 a gallon. Yeah. And, and it's higher here because Washington imposes more taxes on it than other states. I mean, I bet it's around like 150 in Minnesota, that kind of thing. Anyway, so, you know, talking about the value of things and how it's, gemstones are just different. I mean, I'm thinking about the De Beers diamond stuff in Canada where De Beers almost single-handedly controlled the diamond market because they stockpiled and didn't release all these diamonds into circulation. Yeah, I don't know how... We're going to have to do another episode where we actually look up some of these gem backgrounds because I just Googled Pakistan mineral trade and my phone almost blew up. It was really dangerous for all Ooh. of us here. Yeah. But when I... And I'm going to have to have a whole episode about Frank. Frank, who used to have a rock shop called The Crystal Habit in Astoria... I jived with him a little bit. He was great. He has been in minerals in Oregon, Washington, and California for the last five decades, which is great. He was a wonderful resource. But also, there were, there used to be, I mean, okay, the good old days, whatever. There used to be mines and mining claims for garnets, which were his favorite, in Idaho that were so productive that they eventually shut them down. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. In Idaho, it's also probably water conservation and people being... With the population that's increased, you also get hobbyists increase and not everyone's respectful of the land and whatever. So I actually don't know why all of them shut down. But we went on this tangent, or he went on this tangent about his experience in Idaho. And then he comes full circle to say that there is actually a California garnet mine. Garnets now are industrially mined for their abrasive use. So mm -hmm. instead of using a sander, a sandblaster, use a garnet blaster because they're, they're softer than the silicates. So they get a different kind of polish, whatever. Very useful, great. This California mine was so productive. They were pulling things that were the size of cantaloupes mm. or other fruits. He's like, yeah, they had they, they hit one pocket that had I mean, they were the size of plums and they were pulling out garnets and they were, some of them were almost gem quality all the way through the entire size of a plum. Wow. In one pocket is, I mean, a pocket is literally just a huge geode that people crack open. So that could be anything from a tiny geode you can fit in your pocket to something that is the size of a building. Mm -hmm. It just depends on how they were formed. But it was so productive, they shut it down. And he looks at me and I was like, you're lying, you're blowing smoke up my butt. He goes, nope. They filled it in. They dumped a bunch of the sand that was left over from, like, sifting out the garnets. So, you know, you've seen the giant sand piles yeah. near um, Garnet or Emerald Creek in Idaho. The sand is literally purple because there's so many tiny garnets in it. Well, and when you take out the garnets, it was just sand. So yeah. they literally just filled it in. They had to close it. They squirreled away these huge gemstones, and then they just stopped digging because it was going to destroy the gem market for garnets. so bizarre to me. You know, here's... I believe Frank. I believe him because he was just nutty enough to be one of those guys that has some kind of secret. Yeah. I mm. I love garnets. That's my introduction to the rock hounding world. They are beautiful. Uh, a wonderful life experience for me. You're welcome. And also, like, I think cut garnets are beautiful, especially the really deep red ones. I mean... I thought you liked the pink ones. 
Garnets also, because they are so easily, for lack of a better word, tainted. So the the other minerals are what give crystals their color, which is why quartz is so often white. But you can have minerals in almost any color. Diamonds come in the freaking rainbow. Yeah. Sapphires, you can actually get cut sapphire bracelets that are in a rainbow. They were really big for gay weddings for a while. Yeah, well, they do a lot of lab-created sapphires now. But they're still technically sapphires because their their structure molecularly is the same. It's the impurities that color them. So you can have garnets, maybe not in like blues and greens, but yellow garnets are nice. Well, I like the pink ones. I think they're very pretty. I'm not a mm. huge fan of the purple garnets, but I love the deep red garnets. And I love garnet jewelry just the way it looks because I love rubies, right? You don't like purple garnets? We were right next to Idaho. Yeah. Ooh, what is happening right now? Okay, I'm just I'm just being honest. But like you it's and a horrible I, reason to hurt my feelings. Okay. Like you and I have talked about, garnet is a softer stone, therefore it's more susceptible to like wear and tear and damage. That's why we have so many round ones in our collection. Yeah. Versus, you know, rubies, which are a much harder stone on the most scale, right? Mm-hmm. But I could easily see garnet being a more popular stone if it were harder. It's pretty popular anyway, but when we tried to get garnets in our engagement rings, Dave at the rock shop, the local rock shop that we work with and they are absolutely wonderful, was like, oh, you really don't want that. And we were like, why not? So they're not rubies. Who cares? And he's like, they're going to scratch. Yeah. And I know they're going to scratch because I have higher quality stones that are still scratched. I still scratch my ruby because I wore it into the into the field. But... You know, you if you wash, if you take showers with it, it will become rounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that will diminish its luster. Right. Right. What? It's a really good hot dog. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh... Yeah, so, I mean, I remember early on you telling me that the gem market... And the cost of gems are controlled by those who own them, which is pretty radical when it comes to, like, economic theory. And on that note, we're out of time, so we're going to have to lead into the next episode. But I'm really excited about this because... Okay. Another thing from Frank was that the idea... So the price of gemstones is set by the people who grade them and cut them. So mm-hmm. I bring you 200 garnets. Right. If you grade them, you go through and you say which ones have the three biggest ones. The best shape slash size, the best translucency, the best color. Mm-hmm. Okay? The people that are doing that are the ones who also have the lapidary equipment. They're the ones cutting. They're the ones setting the price. But there's been a lot of, traditionally, there's been a lot of outcry because... We don't want that Canadian diamond thing where people are stockpiling them and changing all of these things. Maybe that did happen with the diamonds. Frank leans in as he's telling me this, and he's like, yeah, from garnet miners to the emeralds and sapphire miners, because there are rubies in South Carolina and other things. Hmm. He was one of 45 certified gem people in the United States that set these, or he was for a while. Oh, wow. He's an insider. He was. And the public had this idea that there were these huge stockpiles that were controlling the market. And he leans in and he goes, nobody had them. And it came out at some point because there was this big outcry. And yeah, the private collectors, that's a whole other thing. Private collectors, we we can't even consider them for the market because millionaires and billionaires and black market stuff 
is literally an entirely different world of yeah. rocks, fossils, gemstones, any of it. And he's like, the people that were legally trading in them, nobody had these stockpiles. Nobody could afford to have these stockpiles hmm. because they were setting the price for the market, which is economics, but they had to sell their own stuff to make ends meet. Right. Right. So nobody knows. What are we going to do with our blue barrel? Final thoughts. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to keep it and show it off, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of a nice conversation stone. I don't know what you thoughts you had. I'm going to try to take a really dope picture that shows off the blueiness. The problem is it's like a powder blueiness, so the white is not friendly to the camera. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, any uh, PSAs you want to send out? Uh, PSAs. Um, the ticks are bad this season. Be careful for those ticks. Fair. Family members of mine have had Lyme's disease. It's not fun. So just, you know, be mindful of that. I like that. Please be responsible. If you're going to go check out the Blue Barrel site, I would love to go with you if you are a local listener. Also, please respect the, like, the rules and, like, good rock hound etiquette because it's a really fun site for new people like me and we want to make sure that it stays open and accessible and it's literally a road cut so if you dig it will wash it out and mm-hmm. then it will wash it down the giant mountainside that we were on yeah there's no coming back from that no 